With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Press Coverage. I am Theo Greminger, and I'm joined by Jared Smola of Draft Sharks. Uh, Jared has podcasted with me like a dozen times at this point. He's been extremely generous when coming on the GOAT District. Uh, he joined Billy Muzio and I on First Class Fantasy. He's definitely one of my favorite people to kind of chop it up with. Uh, we don't even need a show sheet, Jared. That's that's how <laughs> that's that's like where we're at right now. But uh, it's it's uh it's funny because you know we start talking and then the JSN news breaks. So let's react to that one, Jared. What are you thinking with this injury? Do you believe what they're saying that he's going to be ready for Week One? I'm hoping we get more details. Um, which I'm sure we will over the next, you know, 24 or 48 hours. Um, my initial reaction is I hope it just drops his ADP by a round or two. Cause honestly, I don't have as much JSN and redraft as I was, I would like. Um, and a lot of it's cause I've, I'm still taking Lockett over him straight up, which um, has become a bit. You're a boomer, Jared. You're a boomer. A boomer. You're a boomer. I'm a, boomer. I'm a Tyler Lockett boomer. He's my guy. Um, but honestly, every freaking time i watch jsn in these preseason games i get i get a bit worried that i don't have enough of him so um i don't know i mean a wrist injury for a wideout is a little is a little scary um but again if i, if I can start to get jsn in you know round six seven i'm gonna i'm gonna take a take a shot on him there yeah so i got him in the seventh round of an nffc draft the other night um which i thought was incredible value that's a start three wide receiver in a flex format it's very wide receiver heavy but the rooms are getting a little funny with kind of the quarterback enthusiasm so, you know, you're still able to see some of those values, but I don't know. I think he's pretty insulated. I don't think he's going to drop past the seventh, uh, especially with these very positive reports. But I think that yeah. for me, the cascade effect, Jared, is, you know, we're going to talk about some of these wide receiver risers, but like as these drafts start going, like heading, like getting closer to the uh, the opening game of the season and then like the FFPC uh, drafts in Vegas, the sixth round is going to become a wide receiver round like completely. And a lot of these running backs that we like in the sixth round are going to get pushed to the seventh. Last night I'm in a draft and, you know, Miles Sanders is always sitting there in the seventh round. Cam Akers is sitting there in the seventh. James Conner is always sitting there in the seventh. DeAndre Swift is sitting there in the seventh. And on the flip side, we're, you know, we're starting to see the wide receiver enthusiasm go up and up. And then when you couple the JSN news with the McLaurin news and they can paint a, a, a beautiful picture any way they want about how these are like like light injuries, but they lie. They don't tell us the truth. So why should we listen to them on that? Um, what about McLaurin? How concerned are you with him? Turf toe, scary too, right? I mean, it's an injury that we've seen linger and like, like sap guys' explosiveness. Um, so McLaurin's not a guy I've drafted a ton of. I, I, I view him as like a floor play. Even if you look at his production over the last like, you know, three years, like, it's been like wide receiver 20 to wide receiver 25, like fine. Like that's about where he's going. And I think he'll probably deliver that type of production again this season. I just don't see a ton of upside beyond that, especially with Jahan Dotson's emergence and his, you know, ascension. It looks like he's going to take a step forward in year two. So I, at this point, I'd rather, especially with the toe injury now, I would rather take Jahan Dotson at cost than Terry McLaurin. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm completely with you. And I want to dive into some of those guys in a little bit, but first I want to talk about some of the cool stuff you guys are doing 
at Draft Sharks. Uh, big shout out to you and Matt. You guys both crushed it, um, you know, helping out with our world famous draft kit. Um, you guys dropped really, really quality content and great entries. Uh, and I've enjoyed podcasting with you guys. But how about what you're doing over at Draft Sharks? Because you do some very, very exciting articles during the summer. And a couple of them have become like appointment reads for high stakes managers, especially a lot of these FFPC ones. Um, you had a pretty big hit a couple of years ago. What was that player that you predicted? I, I don't recall, Jared, but it's like your calling card. What is it? <laughs> yeah, Cooper Cup was our uh, comeback player two years ago. That was a nice one. We actually had uh, Saquon Barkley as our comeback last year. We had a ton of him, and you know that worked out nicely too. So, yeah, we have our uh, comeback player early round bust and breakout pick up on the site now for insiders. We have our uh, round by round draft plan up. That's actually a free article this year. Um, so you could check that out kind of literally round by round for each pick, how I'm attacking PPR drafts right now. And the, the big thing though, is our projections. I mean, that's, that's what I'm grinding on most of the day at this point, just, you know, grinding the news, grinding preseason action, making sure those projections are um, as up to date as possible because, you know, we've been drafting for what the you know, six months now, but like you know, this these next two three weeks, this is it, right? So we, we want to make sure everything is uh, as as tight as possible on the site. Time is like a flat circle, Jared. It seems like it's just draft podcast, draft podcast <laughs> this time of year, but it's it's a lot of fun. This is why we do it. Um, before we get to break, uh, I want to ask you one question: <clears throat> Is I've asked everybody this on on first class fantasy press coverage, uh, pretty much everybody for the last month and a half. If you could know the final, and especially with your ranking acumen, if you could know the final stats of any single player in the league right now, who would it be? What's that one player that's kind of yeah. giving you pause, that could have a big range of outcomes? Maybe his performance unlocks a teammate? Yeah, I, I love this question. Um, I mean, I, I think the answer really should be a quarterback just because it gives you the info on him and all his his weapons, just the offense in general. To, to me, this year, it's Deshaun Watson, um, who – Man, if he is the player he was over those final six games or whatever it was last season, that Browns offense is obviously in trouble. You know, Watson's in trouble and all of his pass catchers. But if Deshaun Watson is the guy that he was in Houston, who was an elite passer with big time rushing upside, if he's that guy, Deshaun Watson could, you know, probably not challenge the big three, but he could at least, you know, finish as a top five quarterback for sure. Um, and then there could be big values all over that offense. Um, so it would definitely be Deshaun Watson for me. I love the Deshaun Watson answer. That's actually the one I've been saying, you know, as the one for for my for my answer to this question because, you know, it's not just Deshaun. We also see so many Cleveland Browns getting steamed up in ADP, and also with the quarterback enthusiasm right now. If you can sit around and wait and get Deshaun Watson, I mean, you know, you talk about him returning to his old Houston days. If he can just return like QB six value. Um, you know, I think that would be, uh, you know, a nice, nice bargain. And it's funny because there's so much negativity towards that Cleveland offense the last, you know, week and a half, two weeks. Uh, been a couple of like, you know, hit pieces on how they look, uh, you know, in training camp. And, you know, people are starting to the steam is kind of a, a little less than it was last time we talked, Jared. Any concerns over these kind of, uh, you know, preseason, uh, you know, nitpicking by the media? Not really. To me, it was that one athletic article that just kind of caught fire. And that, that's that's what happens in our circles, right? Like one article, someone retweets it, Rotor World makes a blurb about it, and then it's, it's all over the place. Um, I was even, you know, I was scrolling uh, 30, at 32 Beat Writers, which I'm sure you know about Theo. Yeah, yeah. You folks listening don't know. It's like, it's, you know, my, my favorite follow during training camp. They just retweet basically everything you need to know from all these camps. Um, 
even on Monday, there were like, you know, four straight positive tweets about how Deshaun Watson looked in that practice. So again, I, I agree. He has a wide range of outcomes. Um, but like you said, where he's going in drafts and for the type of upside he gives you, um, Watson and that Browns passing game, I'm, I'm definitely still in on. And you bring up an interesting point because, you know, you're, you're not an old guy, but you've been doing this a long time. And, you know, you see every summer it gets more and more amplified how much information we get coming in, um, you know, from the media, uh, from beat reporters, from fantasy analysts, and then from, you know, fantasy highlight clips. Uh, you know, pretty much anything you could think of is now instantly, you know, at our hands. Whereas years ago, you know, you would wait for certain reports, you'd wait for snap counts. It was a little, little less um, in your face. How do you filter out real news real actionable information with just kind of the fluff and the, and the steam coming out of these places. How do you do it, Jared? I wish I could give you an an answer. I I feel like for me, I just kind of sort of let it wash over me, just take in everything and just sort of, I don't know, use my, my instincts to use a word that I know my my buddy Adam Krautwurst likes to use and just use instincts, take it all in, kind of think about what makes sense based on our priors. I do think going back to all the work we did, in February and March and April, projecting these teams out. I think, you know, going back to that is important at this time of year. Um, but yeah, there, there's no, there's, I, there's no secret I can, can give you for me. It's, it's just sort of um, taking it all in and, you know, making the best educated guesses as, as we can. No, absolutely. For sure. For me, it's, I think a lot of it is, you know, people want to hear their voices. Um, you know, a lot of like fantasy Twitter, that's a lot of how these small beat beat writers are. Um, so for me, it's like if I haven't heard of the beat writer and I, he's not doesn't seem like somebody like completely locked in, you got to think that you got to take it with a grain of salt. Um, yeah. I do like the the idea of a constant drumbeat or positive vibes with a player where, yes. you know, the teammates, head coach and media are all kind of in lockstep. I think that sometimes we should pay attention to that a little more than we do. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of it can just kind of get us in trouble. And do you think that drafters might be? When's a, when is a, when are drafters at their sharpest? This is kind of a weird question, <laughs> but do you feel like sometimes people know more and are better prepared on August 1st than they are on August uh, 30th? No, I think the, you know, quote unquote, sharper drafters are better at the end of the month. Now drafts in general might be weaker because you're, you're having, you know, folks that haven't been doing this for, for six months, you know, getting into those draft rooms. But I, I do think as a community, we know more by the end of August than we did on August 1st. No, absolutely. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about a number of things that are going to help you win your leagues. We're going to talk about Amon Ross St. Brown, Steam. We're going to talk about a couple of Jared's uh, favorite handcuffs to draft right now. And we're going to dive back into the draft plan articles from Draft Sharks. And we're going to tell you how to win your league from the middle of the first round. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their signature Players Championship has a $6 million prize pool. 
and their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues, all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC and remember... Use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. So you had mentioned, you know, your comeback player of the year, your bust and your breakout. I, I loved all of them. Um, you know, I, I sent you and Matt, Matt Schoff, a couple of nice messages. I thought your picks were great. And I know that, uh, you know, this was a kind of a difficult year for some of those uh, selections. But one article that you mentioned is free right now that I think is also kind of appointment reading for Draft Sharks is the draft plan articles. And the way that you guys set this up, you know, you'll, you will give not only like your first round target, but you follow through with each round in a way to kind of prepare your draft structurally. I think it's a help even for experienced drafters to read what Matt and Jared are, are trying to say, because you guys have a lot of great ideas about being able to make up at certain positions if you, you know, pass for another one at, at this level and this level. So let's dive right into it. You're in the middle of the first round, Jared. What What is your ideal, you know, scenario when you're picking out of the sixth pick or the seventh pick? Yeah, and by the way, I think like the sixth, seventh pick is probably my least favorite spot to, to draft this year. <laughs> I'd rather have, um, you know, a, a top two spot or be picking at the very end of round one. Well, um, Jared, you, but... you picked the wrong day. If you came on yesterday... <laughs> yes. Um, your fellow upstate Western New York guy, uh, Mike Leone was in the house and we yeah, talked about the one Oh one and the one twelve. So if you want to talk about yeah. the end of the first round and you want to talk about the beginning of the first round, no. uh, tune into yesterday's episode. But if you want to talk about the middle, Jared's your guy. Yeah, I accept your challenge. Um, in the, in the middle of round one, I'm hoping Cooper cup or Tyreek Hill make it to me and Hill often has and, and cup had been when he was out with the hamstring. I think now that he's back on the field, that's probably going to be less often. Um, so I guess Tyreek Hill is probably my most likely target there. If he's gone, I'm deciding between Stefan Diggs and Austin Eckler. Um, I think you can make a good case for either of those guys. I think, you know, um, what you're going to do in the next couple of rounds should maybe impact which way you lean there. Because I do think it's pretty much a toss-up between those two. Yeah, I was actually at the 108 last night with um, our friend to be Bagbatoba and Scott Barrett. And you can watch the rest of the uh, the draft. It's dropping tomorrow uh, right here on Player Profiler. But we went with Stefan Diggs um, over Eckler. And I think that that was like a – it doesn't feel as exciting to take Stefan Diggs in the middle of the first round. Uh, you are you are a Bills guy. Why don't you talk a little bit about Diggs? Like for me, I'm fine with it. But yeah. I, I look at him as a foundational piece that's not going to lose me the first round I think I'm going to get, you know, somewhere like a 17 point per game season. And it puts yep. me in a position that I structurally am okay. Do you see him as more than that? Or are you kind of on that same train? Yeah, I'm going to do there. He's uh, Diggs is like a rich man's McLaurin, right? Where like, I, I, I feel good about him finishing between like, gotta say something nicer than that, Jared, that doesn't, that doesn't get my blood. <laughs> you know, he's a very rich man. He's a, <laughs> he's a billionaire, Terry McLaurin. Exactly. He's going to finish somewhere between like, you know, wide receiver four and wide receiver seven. I don't think he he's very likely to you know lead the position 
in, in fantasy points, but I, I think he's safe. And, you know, sometimes in the first round safety, safety is good enough. So we're on Eckler or Diggs there. Is there anybody that you would consider pushing into that spot? Um, you know, maybe if somebody doesn't like an Eckler or a Diggs, or are you of the opinion that take a faller instead of those guys or, you know, capitulate yeah. to them for some? I mean, I'm definitely higher than market on Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Um, and he's probably now I, I've seen him start to slip close to the mid second in recent drafts, which is surprising me. I think I it's like right I, now. I think it's uh, not to interrupt you, but I think it's, you know, I've been in a bunch of these and I agree like Saquon it's, you know, he's going to be selected somewhere between eight and like 15, 16, yep. but he, the, where he's selected kind of depends on the way the draft is going. Like he's an absolute lock and 16 might even be an exaggeration. Let's call it like eight to eight to 15. Like, and I don't, I don't think he's going to drop below that. I don't think he's going to go before that, but I agree with you. It's, it's a little less predictable this year. Um, kind of in that back half of the first. Yeah, I just I don't see a huge gap between CMC, Eckler, and Barkley. Yeah, I, I think Barkley should be going closer to those other two backs than he is. So, um, you know, if if you wanted to make sure you get Saquon, I would have no issue taking him at you know seven or eight. Okay, so we, using the Draft Sharks plan, I now have Stephon Diggs or I have Austin Eckler. Now I get down to the middle of the second round. You're looking at guys like Tony Pollard. You're looking at Devontae Adams. You're looking at Jalen yep. Waddle. Chris Olave a little bit behind, Derrick Henry a little bit behind. And then for our tight end premium drafters, occasionally Mark Andrews goes there. I've been seeing a little more Mark Andrews towards the the one-two turn, but occasionally yep. he drops to like 16, 17, 18. Where are you at with how to maximize this build? So I'd be pounding Mark Andrews if he made it to me in the mid-second. He comes in, uh, I think, just outside the top 10 in our overall tight end premium rankings. So even at like the one, two turn, that's kind of where I start to consider Andrews um, outside of tight end premium. I am praying Tony Pollard makes it to me in the mid second. Um, it seems like that's happening less and less often. Um, if Pollard's gone, it, it gets tough for me. I guess Devonte Adams, um, then probably Garrett Wilson would be my next two most likely targets. If Pollard is not there. Yeah, so Devontae Adams was who um, we selected last night, you know, uh, after the Diggs pick. So it was a kind of an older wide receiver room, but guys with predictable <laughs> volume and, and high ceiling. So I'm with you. I think Tony Pollard might be the most dangerous middle of the second round pick right now. But again, much like Barkley, he's kind of, uh, it's it's unpredictable where he goes. I've seen him go as high as 10 in some of these high stakes drafts. And then like you said, once in a while, you can get him right right smack dab in the middle. I have a a second round Pollard the other day from an NFFC draft. Um, and I, I, I love that. I love that value. Um, do you see him as a potential RB one overall this year, Jared? Potential. Yeah. Um, I mean, man, where else is that work going to go? Right. Like, I mean, Deuce Vaughn's looked good. I get it, but he's, you know, 180 pounds. I don't see him taking a ton of work. Rico Doddle and, and Malik Davis, like, and, and I don't really want Tony Pollard getting 22 touches per game, but I mean, he might, he might end up getting close to that the way that backfield looks right now. I mean, you know, he's just super explosive and it's still going to be a, you know, top 10 offense, I think. So, yeah, I think he, he um, definitely has a good shot at like top three production. And I think RB one overall is not out of his range of outcomes. Just give me like five catches a game. That's my dream scenario for Tony exactly. Pollard. If they can get him the ball out in space on, on receptions, let him touch it all he wants on those ones, Jared. But uh, I agree. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to be able to handle north of 200. I think 225 carries would be really a lot for him. But we'll see. Yep. We'll see. Apparently, um, you know, he's uh, and not necessarily bulked up, but he's 
in shape for for this run. Um, the coaches, you know, have a little bit more of a of a feel that he can handle a little bit more inside. So we're we're on that train. Okay, now we get to the third round. Let's say that any way you cut it with your plan, I'm balanced. I'm at a running back and a wide receiver. Middle yeah. of the third, where are we at? So this is very likely a wide receiver for me. The exception would be if Mark Andrews is there in a non-tight end premium, I like him in the middle of round three. Um, otherwise, I'm, I'm looking wide receiver. The, the two guys I've been taking most often here are T. Higgins and Keenan Allen. Yeah, I like those picks a lot. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, we'll, t- we'll talk a little bit more about that Chargers offense because I know you're very much into them. T. Higgins is funny. You know, I had this conversation with Mike Leone yesterday. He's bullish on him. I like him. Billy Muzio likes him, and he's a target of yours. But he's slightly polarizing. When some people see his ADP, they don't react fondly to him. They look at him as a guy with kind of a capped ceiling just because of volume. Are you on that train, or do you think we could see like a a huge T. Higgins season? I mean, the ceiling is partly capped right because of jamar chase is there and like if jamar chase is healthy he's he's the clear one even even two years ago you know chase and higgins were, were pretty close in targets but last year chase pulled away from higgins and i expect that to continue but this Bengals offense is a candidate to lead the entire league in passing attempts so even if you're talking about you know a 20 21 22 percent target share for t higgins that could still be like 130 140 targets um to me the, i mean that the reason not to click t higgins is he's just not fun to own because he's, he's always on the injury report. He's, he always seems to be banged up. He leaves games early. So I, I get it. Um, I just think if if you get a even 16-game season out of T. Higgins, I think he probably returns round two value. Yeah, and we certainly – I think I love the argument that Irv Smith does not inherit the entire Hayden Hurst uh, usage, and the Chris Evans certainly doesn't get as much as Samaj P. Ryan did. So we have potentially more targets going to the wide receiver position in general. And we think Tyler Boyd has regressed uh, some and the other target competition are two rookies. So I think that there is a chance that they just become a little bit more consolidated with the wide receiver targets. And, you know, I want to paint a picture for T because again, I like drafting him as well in that third round. Um, And I think that he's fairly safe as well though, Jared, because you do get those big spike weeks Mm -hmm. out of him. Um, that can help you win win your week. So let's quickly talk about one more third-round target for FFPC drafters. If you're in an FFPC league, would you consider Darren Waller in the mid-third? Because that's where we're at. Yeah, probably. I mean, he he's uh, he's he's sitting right behind TJ Hawkinson in our rankings now. Uh, we, we've been bumping Waller up like all August. And, you know, that Hawkinson-Waller is kind of a tier now behind Kelsey tier one, Andrews tier two, then it's Hawkinson and Waller. So, um I wouldn't take Waller over T Higgins. If it's Waller versus Keenan Allen in tight end premium, I would, I would, you know, think long and hard about Waller there. Love it. Um, definitely check out the draft plan articles. Jared said they're free right now. Um, you know, that alone get you, get you to draft sharks uh, website. It's really, really cool stuff. Um, so just to reiterate, if you're picking from the seven spot, Jared wants you on Austin Eckler or Stefan Diggs. And in the second round, we're looking at one of these high-end wide receivers or Tony Pollard. And third round, he wants you to go with Mark Andrews if he's available. Uh, if not, we're going wide receiver again. And you've got every single pick. And how many rounds uh, deep do you go with these, Jared? We go, let me check. It's uh, 15 or so, right? 16, 16, 16. rounds. Yep. Yeah, so they they go very deep. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, these guys have had a lot of hits. Matt Schof came on with uh, Billy and I, um, you know, for a tight end episode. It was great. 
Um, and uh, Jared, again, you know, you've seen him a lot on player profiles, so go support their work at Draft Sharks. I uh, want to keep this going, and now I want to talk about a couple players that are kind of steaming up, Jared, and we got to kind of change our approach to them based on where the ADP market is. And one guy is my guy, Amon Ross St. Brown. This is a guy that I've been, you know, drafting all summer long. I was taking him all, all the time in the second round when I could on underdog and in FFPC. I have a ton of exposure to him in Dynasty. I feel like this is the year. But I, the first one of my first main events, I did one of the first ones, it was slow. And I got a- ARSB at, at the 201. Now, in FFPC and in NFFC, he has steamed way, way up. NFFC primetime drafts, which are like $1,800 entry, big ones. It's kind of like their main event. He's gone at the 105, I think, three times this week. I took him in the NFFC at the 107. You're starting to see in FFPC a Diggs versus ARSB consideration at times. You're oftentimes getting exposure to him you know, at this 108 now, 109. It sounds close, but it's not. It's a huge, huge leap he's made. Do you think this is justified? Where are you at on ARSB, and where are you comfortable drafting him? Yeah, I I mean, I I love St. Brown. I feel like the steam is just sort of caught up to where, you know, we at Draft Sharks and I've been drafting him all along. Like, he is 11th in our overall PPR rankings, so I'd be definitely comfortable taking him, you know, at the back end of round one. I have taken – I have so many Amon Ross St. Brown CD Lamb starts. Like, that's probably my most popular – you know, first two pick start of all the drafts I've, I've done. And you get that week 17 sweat. You love exactly. that sweat too. I love that one. I have a ton yeah. of, uh, we'll have to split the pot because I have a ton of those as well <laughs> on underdog. Fair. I guess it's fine. I'm Fair. okay. Splitting it with you, Jared. Um, and you know, you also were able to go Jameer Gibbs in the third and like uh, get a bunch of exposure to a bunch of different Cowboys in line. So it's, yep. that's super fun. I'm totally with you. I, I feel like with Amon Ross St. Brown, there's people that truly believe this is a Cooper cup, 2021 type you know target total a michael thomas 2020 type target total where he's just going to be targeted so much his usage is just going to be so insane that he could be the cheat code where you're drafting wide receiver one uh you know at the tail end of the first round are you on that train does he have a path to wide receiver one overall is he that sort of player i think he would need a ton of volume right because he's not necessarily a big play guy and he's not like a huge touchdown guy. Now touchdowns are fickle. Obviously, he could he could you know score eleven times in a season, and you know, it, it wouldn't be a, a big surprise. Um, I get so for, for me like the top four wide receivers, um, you know Jefferson, Chase, Hill, Cup. I couldn't take St. Brown over any of those four. I don't think I could take him over Diggs. But beyond that, like I'm I'm okay. Like I think um, so. I guess you know what pick. Uh, Pick six, seven, I think you can start to consider him. I, my one concern with St. Brown is if we think St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, and Sam Laporta are going to you know, like open the season as the top three targets in this passing game, I, there's, they're all short-range targets. I'm just curious how that's going to work out, You know how, how they're going to s- split it when they all kind of work in the same areas of the field. Yeah, I think that it's, it's, a, it's an argument for – Josh Reynolds and Mar- Marvin Jones as like late best ball targets these days because stylistically they're going to have to get something out of those guys. Not saying to go get them on your redraft teams by any means, yeah. unless you're Billy Muzio, the Marvin Jones truther. Um, but those guys, I think, are going to have a little bit more of a, of a role than some people think. I also think that they could be, uh, you know, again, they're also going to be targeting David Montgomery a little more out of the backfield when he's in because. Uh, I believe in the offense. I believe in the scheme. I believe they'll yeah. score points. I just don't quite understand how. 
um, because a lot of those guys are going to be those kind of low A dot looks. But yep. I think the argument for for me for ARSB is 23 years old. He went over 100 receptions last year, went over 90 receptions as a rookie. I think it's sort of an argument for unknown upside where I'm taking a 23-year-old who's ascending versus a guy like Stefan Diggs where we might have already – I mean, the historical bet would be we've already seen the best season Stefan Diggs has ever had. Yeah. Um, you know, you, we can cite outliers where, you know, we can cite historical guys that had unbelievable smash seasons after age 30, but it's still a – when the cliff falls from some of these guys, it can fall off dramatically. That being, I mean, I'm taking Stefan Diggs, but I think that that's the argument is – you know, there's this group of 30-year-olds versus this 23-year-old and Amon Ross St. Brown, and I think it's sort of the unknown upside. Would you kind of agree with that factors in a little yes. bit in some of this team? Yep, I, I feel a bit safer about Stefan Diggs. You know, again, the, uh, the what we call him, the billionaire Terry McLaurin. Um, we're, going I do think, you know, we're going with that. We're going Jared. with that, We're going to have T-shirts <laughs> made. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, St. Brown is definitely the one that should still be ascending and definitely probably has the higher ceiling this year. The, the one thing I think people, too, miss about St. Brown's 2022 season, he obviously missed the one game. There were two other games where he played less than 35% of the offensive snaps. I think he was you know limited by an ankle in one and got knocked out with a concussion in the other. So, you know, his um, his actual numbers in healthy games were even better than you know what, what they look like in the final fantasy standings last year. So Amon Ross St. Brown is super interesting. The other guy who has been steaming up is Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, you know, we're starting to see him much like Pollard. You'll sometimes run into a draft where Garrett Wilson's going to be taken like 11th, 12th, 13th. But I've oftentimes seen drafters have to make a decision in the second round. Maybe you're holding the 205, the 204, 206. And you're faced with Garrett Wilson versus Devontae Adams. This is another situation where a very, very, very successful fantasy player over the years who's getting a little bit older versus one with this incredible unknown upside uh, in going to his second year in Garrett Wilson. Where are you at on Devontae Adams versus Garrett Wilson when you're on the clock? Yeah, man, I'm I'm such a boomer, but I I, I do take Devonte Adams over Garrett Wilson for the most part, um, and I, I won't take Garrett Wilson at the one two turn. That's just too early for me. I just it's not it's nothing to do with him. It's the Jets' offensive line is a major problem. It looked like a problem, you know, heading into training camp, and everything we've heard out of Jets camp is that the old line, especially the tackle spots, um, have not been good. And then I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. Like I, he's a future Hall of Famer. I get it, but. He's what almost 40 now. He he's had some injury issues. I think his play did drop off a little bit last year. So he's obviously a massive upgrade over what the Jets had at quarterback last season. But I, I don't think it's like, you know, prime Rogers where or you know Wilson's getting a top five real life quarterback. So and with Adams, Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo terrifies me. <laughs> but I'm just betting on Adams track record of target earning ability and touchdown scoring and just overall fantasy production. Yeah, it's it's funny. So I do, you know, the dynasty rankings with with Dario Ofstein and Billy does the most of the redraft rankings and Dario helps him as well. But I often get into, you know, rankings conversations with these guys and Devontae Adams has been one that Billy has been off of for a while. Dario has been on big time at 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 ADP. So it's it's this is like a real tilting situation, Jared, because you know, last year he had his most targets, most air yards of his entire career first year in Vegas 
now they the, Waller is no longer there, and certainly Waller didn't have the role we thought last year. But still, the the presence of him and the fact that 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 was still the scheme to go to Adams, and you had the perfect storm season for uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, where Jacobs was so efficient. So I think that like second round Devonte Adams kind of reminds me a little bit about some of the the, the last couple of seasons where Derrick Henry hit but he kind of was faded by drafters. Uh, yep. It's going to swing big time one way or another because either you're going to get – I don't think it's going to be – I think it's either Devontae Adams kind of returns what he did last year or there's some big, huge fall off for this offense um, yep. and he ends up hurting you. I don't think it's going to be some middle ground. So I've kind of tried to mix in some Adams exposure. Um, Wilson versus Adams, I want to say both. That's a huge cop-out, but I'm – drafting both of them right now and I have been willing to steam up Wilson because I understand the the question marks with Rodgers and the Jets offense but I just think he is a incredibly unique talent and it reminds me a little bit of second year Odell Beckham where Beckham went like for 20 points a game and I I think Wilson has that sort of talent I'll ask you this Jared because because we do some dynasty we're actually in a dynasty startup with each other right now um if there was a wide receiver in the NFL that was going to crack the big th- the big two and make it into a big three and reach the Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase level a year from now, who would it be among all wide receivers in the NFL? Could be Wilson. I would also throw out C.D. Lamb, who I think okay. – I don't know if it's – he's just been so so steady since he entered the league, but, I mean, I think he was an awesome prospect coming out, and he's really, you know, done nothing to dissuade me that he, he's still, you know, that level – of prospects. So I would, I would go lamb one and then Garrett Wilson two as you know, guys that, you know, could, could creep into that top two. Yeah. So for me, that's part of the reason I want to push him up because I think if he creeps into that top two, it means that, yeah. you know, every person I speak to that's, that's sharp brings up Wilson as one of those names that could creep into the top two. And I think the way he does it is he has a top five wide receiver season. So yeah. I understand the concerns, but sometimes talent just wins out. So I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm, I love Wilson this year. Um, I want to talk about another receiver. When we talked in May, we discussed Calvin Ridley. And a lot of the, and I believe you were on the the Ridley train then uh, as a, as no, you were on the negative side. Okay, excuse me. Yep. I got, so Calvin Ridley, since we last spoke, last time we talked, it was Calvin Ridley was going 10 spots ahead of Christian Kirk. Do you think that's correct? And me, you and Billy talked about it and it was May. And now it's like, you know, we talked earlier in the show about positive media reports, positive teammate reports. Jacksonville is all in on Calvin Ridley in terms of, you know, big media, big teammate, like everybody's kind of all in on this. The gap is now about 35 spots. So the gap keeps widening between Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley. And not only that, you are starting to see Calvin Ridley be selected ahead of Keenan Allen, ahead of DK Metcalf. And on certain sites, he's past T. Higgins. He's at he's at 26 overall in FFPC main events. And I've been seeing him selected sometimes inside the second round. Where are you at on Ridley at this new ADP? Are you just shocked by it? Does it make sense to you? Makes sense for, for us, Jared. Yeah, I, I was I was off Ridley early when we I don't remember when we did that podcast. It might have been like April or May. Um my whole thing was just, you know, we've barely seen this guy over the last two years. I don't know what, what Ridley is anymore. Um, I see, it seems like we've gotten that answer, right. Based on 
everything we've heard out of Jack's camp, all the training camp highlights we've seen, like it looks like he's still the Calvin Ridley that, you know, put up a, a big season last, last time he was healthy in Atlanta. So Ridley has shot up my rankings. He shot up the draft sharks rankings. I'm, I'm still like below consensus on him though. I, you know, the, 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 the steam just stays ahead of me on Calvin Ridley. I can't pull the trigger on him in round two. Um, it's, you know, again, it's even tough for me. I'm not taking him over T Higgins. I get the argument Ridley over, you know, someone like Keenan Allen in the middle of round three, but like you said, it's, it's kind of rare that Ridley makes it to the middle of round three anymore. It's one of those things where it's a little bit of FOMO for me because I don't, I've been fading him in so many of these like FFPC, NFFC leagues that you don't want to, you don't want to fade a guy that's going to smash. And I think that they look at him as the alpha there. I think that's kind of clear. But again, I can't do it, Jared. Like when, when there's big money on the line, I haven't been able to really pull the trigger. I almost did it in a draft I'm doing with the guilds and uh, Andrew Schellenberg. We almost took Ridley. But we we uh we ended up going a different direction, um. So I'm I'm with you. It's a little bit surprising. How about Christian Kirk, where he's been pushed down to? Does he, you know, by the fact that you're off of Ridley, are you de facto on Kirk at cost? I still like Zay Jones, the best at value. Man, I'm throwing out. I'm 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 such a boomer. Yeah, man, you're Zay Jones. <laughs> yeah, and every wide receiver over thirty is Jared's yeah. Jared's guy so far. But I mean, Zay Jones as well. He's like wide receiver 50 or something in ADP. Um, yeah. Listen, he's still he's still going to be on the field, you know, almost every pass play for them. He had a nice season last year. I do want to be buying into that Jags passing game. I'm definitely I definitely don't want to be fading it. Um, so I, I, I like Zay Jones at cost. And I think Christian Kirk is fine at cost, too. I know there's some concern about the preseason usage. He's only been playing in three wide receiver sets, even if that keeps up into the regular season. I, I think they're going to have three wide receivers on the field for most of their passing plays. So it's not, it's not a major concern for me. I, I think Kirk is, is a nice pick at cost right now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm fine with him. I'd say I'm neutral. Uh, there's a couple of these uh, upside wide receivers that are in his uh, range that I'm, that I'm more into, but I think he's fine. And I think he is a little bit pushed down. So um, that'll be an interesting to see how the early target distribution goes in Jacksonville. But if we go into game one and game two, and you walk out of two weeks of data and Calvin Ridley has 16 targets and Christian Kirk has 14, you might not feel great about that gap unless uh, Ridley is just a touchdown machine. Um, And Ridley throughout his career has never been like this target vacuum. Um, And he he hasn't been a yardage vacuum. I think he's got one season over a thousand yards in his career. Um, So it's, it's a big, it's a, it's a big tilting type pick. I, I don't want to say that he's going to bust because I don't think he will bust at this extent, but it reminds me slightly of the steam with Cortland Sutton and Gabe Davis last year where the steam just kept going up and up and up and up and up and it reached a, uh, it reached a head where you'd see those guys sneaking in the second. It's kind of the same thing. Um, Ridley obviously seems a little bit more of a traditional alpha than those guys, but I don't know, man. The history has a way of repeating itself in, uh, in draft <laughs> steam, Jared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the target, the target share point is why I just can't quite get there with Ridley. Cause I, I don't think it's likely he gets to like a 26, 27% target share just with Christian Kirk, say Jones and Evan Ingram being there. You know, Ingram, I don't know if pe- people still don't like the guy cause all the times they've burned him or, you know, he's burned them, but he had an excellent season last year and, and the Jacks gave him big money for the season. He's going to remain a, a, a you know, big part of that passing game. Uh, you have a Parker Washington question in the chat, Jared. What are your thoughts on Jacksonville Jaguars receiver Parker Washington uh, off show sheet? 
I do not have there. many thoughts on Parker Washington. He, he was, what, a sixth-round rookie wide receiver, so he he's a long shot, and he's obviously you know buried on that depth chart. So if you want to stash him in Dynasty, fine, but he's, there, he's not high on my wish list. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> So want to talk about the third round. I talked about this a little bit with, with Mike Leone about how the third round you know has some some landmines. It always does historically. But I specifically want to look at the third round, and we're also going to push the fourth round into it at the running back position. I'm going to leave Jonathan Taylor out of consideration because there's a lot of question marks, and, and I think he's polarizing Thank in terms you. of – Yeah, Thank we'll you. leave it alone. We're going to leave it alone. <laughs> we're also going to leave Jameer Gibbs out of this because I think Jameer Gibbs, realistically, if you're still drafting, he's going to go at the 2-3 turn um, in a lot of these high-stakes events. So he's, I saw him go 20 overall like twice this week, so he's steaming up. So let's look at the nitty-gritty. These guys are all being drafted in the back half of the third all the way to the end of the fourth. Joe Mixon – Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Stevenson, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Aaron Jones. These guys are kind of interesting, but it seems like there's some potential landmines. And I'm not like overly enthusiastic. I think for these guys, it's more of a structural thing for me. But where are you at on these guys? Let's go lightning round. Joe Mixon at cost, end of the third. Uh, so, I mean, honestly, my answer for all these guys is none of them in round okay. three for, for the most part. Round four is when I start to consider them. Um, so, so Joe, Joe Mixon, I do like in round four. Okay. Joe Mixon, um, do you, you see him just as kind of a structural pick for you as your RB2, or would you be okay in, as him as your RB1 yeah. on like a punt, punt RB team? Yeah, so like even in round four, I'm mostly considering these guys on teams where I've started three wideouts or, you know, two wideouts and a tight end. Um, I don't feel like I need to take one of these guys in round four because I think as you alluded to at some point during the show, those round six and seven running backs look really good to me. And I think a lot of those guys can kind of match the production. These guys going in, you know, round three or round four can give you. They're definitely landmine-ish. Like I don't want to draft Najee Harris right now. I have concerns about Aaron Jones. Um, I have big time concerns about, you know, mix in when he gets steamed up. Like you said, I was, you know, we, last time we talked, Jared, he was like a sixth rounder, a fifth yeah. rounder. And now he's, he's corrected. <laughs> it's an overcorrection in my yep. opinion. So yeah. ETN's the one that's a little bit intriguing to me. Where are you at on ETN? Because I, I if we, if we take a step back and we say that that was Travis ETN's rookie season last year, yep. he becomes yep. a little bit more intriguing, which it kind of is. And certainly his first year with Doug Peterson, where are you at on ETN in the fourth? I like ETN in round four. Uh, I mean, I guess if you, if you made me rank all those guys, I would go Stevenson, Mixon, ETN. Th- those are the three I'm like comfortable with taking in round four. Uh, I mean, with ETN, I, I get he has issues. He struggled in short yardage la- last year. The you know receiving, you know, the passing game volume wasn't where we wanted it to be, but he still he still turned in an excellent season on the ground in what you said was basically his rookie season. He's a former first round pick. Like there's a lot of stuff still to like about Travis Etienne, even if he gets, you know, 60, 65% of the backfield work, I think he's good enough. And I think that offense is going to be good enough to, you know, let him deliver at least round four value. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Um, You know, I would love to know if they were going to target him just a little bit more, like if they could give him 2% more target share, I would be, I'd be all over him, but yep. you know, take tank Bigsby is one guy I want to talk about as well. And I'm going to throw him in this mix of of these handcuffs that are steaming up. Zach Charbonnet, Jalen Warren, and Tank Bigsby have all had 
very positive vibes. Um, they, you know, with, with Bigsby and Charbonnet, we're looking at day two rookie picks. Jalen Warren caught almost 30 balls last year as a rookie, as an undrafted free agent. Um, he looks fantastic in, in the preseason. Where are you at on these three guys? They've steamed up to round like nine. Yep. Are you in on any of these guys at cost? And if so, which one? I'm in on all three at cost. Um, you know, again, just, to, just depending where I'm at with my build when, when they when I get to you know round nine, around ten. I think Charbonnet has the best chance to either take over the backfield or at least turn it into something close to a 50 50 split without an injury to the guy ahead of him. I just think the talent gap between Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet and the draft capital gap between them. Right. I mean, they were, they were, they were both second round picks. Correct. Um, I just think, you know, that that's, that's the smallest here. So I think that Charbonnet turning that into a committee or even, you know, taking over for Walker at some point is most likely, I do think Warren and Bigsby, are mostly handcuffs. I don't think either one. I think Warren has a better chance to become a standalone fantasy option this season, but I think they're both more handcuffs, but I think they're two of the best handcuff picks you can make. I completely agree with you. I think we're in lockstep. Jalen Warren, I think if you are completely punting running back, you can throw him in your flex, and I think he's going to give you like 10 points a game in PPR um, yeah. You know, right out the gate. And What's interesting to me is both of us don't want to draft Najee Harris and Najee Harris is going in the fourth round. And I'll say that Najee Harris um, is one of the toughest guys in football. He plays every single week. He's, he's a warrior. No one's questioning that. But a lot of times when you play every single game for back-to-back seasons, you're going to miss a little bit of time. He also played through foot injuries last year. Remember this time last year, people were saying like list Frank, with Najee and then he didn't miss any time. So I think that Jalen Warren has the juice. Um, and I think that if we're fading Najee, I think you want some, some uh, Jalen Warren. I think that Pittsburgh offense is going to be better than people think. I know you talked up Kenny Pickett earlier, um, earlier in the spring and, and people thought it was silly. Now you look super, <laughs> super sharp, Jared. So um, I'm with you on all those guys. Uh, and I'll say, I love your call on Charbonnet where it can be a committee and he can still be the one you want to play because I think he's the better receiver and he's better around the goal line. And I think if it's mm-hmm. a committee, but he gets those high value touches, I think Charbonnet could be like a very, very fun player that could have some spike weeks. And if Ken Walker misses, let's take the step back. Let's say that Najee Harris goes down. Let's say that Ken Walker goes down. Uh, and let's say the Travis Etienne goes down and all three of these guys are now the RB one. <clears throat> who are his draft sharks ranking highest on a weekly basis? It'd be either Charbonnet or tank Bigsby. Yes. Um, I just think Warren is in the worst offense. So that would hurt his case. But, um, you know, I, I think to me, Bigsby's probably in the best offense. I think Charbonnet is a better player, more proven in the passing game. So I, I guess I'd lean towards Charbonnet, but Bigsby would be right there. Like, they, you know, they'd be both be you know, like flirting with RB one territory in the rankings. I think. Yeah, I'm with you. For me, I think it's Bigsby because, the you know, you nailed it. It's the quality of the offense, and he's also a, a solid receiver. So, if, if you, you know, I think that Hasty's a little bit annoying for anybody in Jacksonville right now. He's not going to disappear. But I think that yeah. at the end of the day, if Travis Etienne were to miss time, we would be ranking uh, take Bigsby higher than we're ranking Travis Etienne at any, any point at the beginning of the season. So if I'm drafting a heavy running back team, and I don't need to worry about getting running back points out of one of these kind of selections, then Bigsby, if he's like my running back four, is an absolute hammer that could push my team over the edge. Um, If I'm a zero RB team or a hero RB team, 
I'm probably leaning Warren because I want to be able to use him, but they're all super interesting. We also see a couple of running back risers, uh, Jared. You know, last time we talked, Javante Williams was an Mm eighth-round pick. James Cook was going in the eighth round. Damian Pierce was safely in the sixth round. And Khalil Herbert was, like, in the 11th. Now you're starting to see James Cook rise up to – he's right around, like, let's call it running back 21-ish. Damian Pierce, people are getting a little bit more enthusiastic for. Javante Williams is wild. You're seeing Javante Williams go in the fourth round a lot of times. So his ADP might reflect – a fifth round price, but yeah. like in some of these big money drafts, people are betting on him on like the 405. And then Khalil Herbert has settled in. It doesn't seem like it's a argument. Khalil Herbert is your Chicago Bears running back, and people have pushed him up to the eighth round. On these sort of rising prices, which of these guys are you in on at cost? I'm most in on Pierce and Herbert. I if if James Cook's gonna be going RB21. I'm going to have to be out on him as much as that hurts because I, I want to be on the lead back on that Bills offense. I just – James Cook has never handled big volume in his career. And, you know, going back to his days at Georgia, I just don't think he's going to get big volume in Buffalo. Like, I think he, he's, he's going to catch 50 passes or, or so, you know, something like that, and he's probably going to carry, like, you know, 10, 10 or so times per game. So, you know, that that's nice if I can get him in RB26 to RB30 range. RB21 is just too – pricey for me javante i took so much of him in like round seven or eight you know throughout throughout the off season i'm kind of just good being done with my javante williams exposure if he's going to be you know going in round four or five yeah i'm completely with you and I actually think that like i'm i have my javante at the cheap cost like much like yourself um and i think if p ryan drops enough he's kind of interesting so um, and shout out to senior football who doesn't like us talking about hypotheticals with, <laughs> with handcuffs. Why are you drafting the handcuffs if there's not hypothetical senior football? Um, so have, we'll you, play, have you played fantasy football, senior football? Like guys he, get hurt. Well, he's clear. <laughs> he's a, he's a senior football, Jared. He's, he's been doing this for a long time. Um, right. so let's, let's, uh, keep diving into and looking at running back values. We talked about Khalil Herbert, how he moved up in an ambiguous backfield. That's no longer ambiguous. It's, it's still somewhat ambiguous. We're, we're still, uh, you know, I still like Roshan Johnson. I'm sure that there's Deonta Foreman people out there. But game one, Khalil Herbert's going to get his touches. Yeah. One backfield where none of the guys was getting drafted inside the top 36 uh, running backs, except for Devon A-Chain at times, was Miami. Miami has Devon A-Chain, who's now dropping because of a shoulder injury, Jeff Wilson, and Raheem Mostert. And that's the team. And Mike McDaniel has praised his running backs – they did not sign Dalvin Cook. This is your running back room with guys like Salvan Ahmed and Miles Gaskin still on the roster. Do you see value to be plucked here? Yeah, Jeff Wilson is one of my highest owned running backs. Um, and I've just been dodging bullets all offseason with all these you know rumors of uh, backs going to Miami. And now, now we have another one, of course, with Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor could ruin all my all my Jeff Wilson shares. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but, and I, I've been trying to mix in more um, Raheem Mostert as well. Um, Cause I do think we're looking at, you know, something close to a 50, 50 split between those two. I, I just have more Wilson because he's been going, you know, two, three, four rounds behind Raheem Mostert, but um, you know, love, love those guys in best ball. They both have some big playability. I think Wilson's probably going to get most of the goal line work. So that adds to his weekly ceiling. Then even in managed leagues, I think if Wilson or Mostert is your, you know, flex play some weeks, you're okay. And I think if, one of those guys goes down, then the other guy becomes like a you know pretty solid 
RB two. So um, yeah, I've been in on those Dolphins running backs, and I'm a, I'm going to continue drafting them. They I don't think they've risen enough in ADP even since the uh, Dalvin Cook signing. Yeah, I'm with you. It seems like a cheap source of of instant fantasy points, and I feel like it's one of those things in uh, in home leagues. I think if if you want to wait super late, yep. you can draft Ooh. Wilson and Mostert and kind of see which way it cuts uh, week one. And if one of them has a much larger uh, touch share uh, than we expect, I think we kind of expect a little bit of a split. But if the touch share is a little bit more uh, one-sided, then you might be looking at you know a RB2 for a few weeks. So I, I like attacking that backfield. And God, Jared, if, if, if uh, Jonathan Taylor ends up in, in Miami with Mike McDaniel, um, good fun. Lord, there's going to be some, uh, some bag holders because that guy is going to be <laughs> incredible in that offense. Um, yeah. But that's, I don't know, to me, I... I I don't want to even get into these hypotheticals with Taylor because they're asking so much and then he's yeah. so much money involved. So it seems like a, like a, like a pointless task. Um, want to pick your brain on a wide receiver. Zay flowers looks incredible last night. He got in the end zone. Um, I talk about a positive vibe guy. This is a guy where he's being universally praised by the media, the coaching staff and his teammates. This was the guy that the Ravens have come out and said, this was our wide receiver one in this draft class. They're unabashed with that. And I believe him because they went so close uh, in it, all the wide receivers went so close that I think if a team is saying that it was their, their, their preferred uh, wide receiver, they could have traded up one spot and got another one. So I do believe them on this one. They seem over the moon with Zay. Where are you at with Zay? Yeah, he's my favorite of the Ravens wide receivers. And I've been drafting all three of them, even Odell Beckham, who I feel like um, every podcast I've been in, I've, I've kind of been, um, you know, anti Odell Beckham, but he goes late enough, you know, he's like mid, you know, mid wider, wide receiver fifties in, in uh, ADP. So I've just been taking all of them because I'm, you know, buying the, the all the Todd Munkin stuff for the Ravens, just opening it up, throwing more. They're going to get all three of those guys on the field for most of their passing plays. I think, um, but yeah, Flowers is my, my favorite, um, you know, Bate, Bateman's tough for me, just, how disappointing he was last year and then, you know, missing most of the off season with, with, you know, more foot trouble, but I'm definitely still uh, taking Bateman at cost too, but it, but it's flowers for me if I had to pick between those three. Yeah. I, I think flowers, it, we're going to see him steam up. I got him in the eighth round this week. I, I think he's going to start living in the seventh round, especially with some of these guys getting yeah. a little bit banged up. So I'm uh, I'm with you and I like the ability to have Lamar Jackson correlation with flowers because I think if we're going to have flowers in our starting lineup, it's probably going to be more likely than not like after week six, after week eight, um, there's obviously a chance for some attrition if, if Odell misses some time or if Bateman, uh, you know, goes back to the chopping block in terms of injuries. Yeah. So um, I'm in on it. I, I, we believe in Todd Munkin. Don't let us down, Todd Munkin. Um, <laughs> Want to talk about your favorite breakout offense. Last year we saw Philadelphia, Miami, Jacksonville, Seattle, return ADP value for multiple players just based on the offense beating expectations. Who are some offenses or one offense that you think could carry multiple guys to that sort of season? I mean, are the Browns too obvious? I feel like we've talked about them already. Um, but I, I think that's another team that I, I think you're going to see a, a shift in, in play calling um, with all the moves they've made, you know, obviously acquiring Deshaun Watson and then all the pass catchers they've added. I, I just think they're going to throw it a lot more. Um, I'm also, I'm super high on the, the giants right now too. Um, it's maybe just cause we saw Daniel Jones look awesome in that last preseason game. But I mean, I just think Dable is one of the best play callers in the NFL. And yeah, I mean, the wide receivers aren't great, but they added some guys, Darren Waller, obviously a massive addition. I think the old, the old line is going to be better 
this season. They have some young guys on the O-line. So, um, you know, Daniel Jones, Darren Waller, and all those wide receivers. I mean, Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins are just so cheap. They're, they're going to at least open the season as like every down players. Maybe Jalen Hyatt takes one of their jobs throughout the course of the year. Um, but early on, I think, you know, Slayton and Hodgins are going to be pretty strong fantasy values. So I've, I've been taking a lot of Giants uh, in August. No, I love it. Um, I'm with you. I think that the Giants offense is going to score a ton of points. I think they're going to be very fun. Um, and like you, I, I believe in Dable. And I think that the Waller, you know, kind of really opens them up. Everything's right with Saquon. There's just nothing but positive vibes there. And you got to figure there's going to be some shootouts in that division. Washington looks capable right now. Philadelphia, certainly, uh, and Dallas as well. Um, now, Jared, you know, we're, we're, we're reaching an hour point. Uh, name of the show is Targets and Sleepers. We're going to go through and we're going to give you a target and a sleeper at all four positions. We're going to start with Jared. Right now, who is your quarterback target? Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is my quarterback target as well. I've been <laughs> drafting a lot of them. So we'll give a secondary target. Um, I have liked Justin Fields recently. I think that he's reached a point with uh, Herbert steamed up on a lot of these drafts where Justin Fields uh, is going you know, after him, where we saw them side by side for a little bit. Um, I believe in this Bears offense taking the next step forward. And I believe Justin Fields is like one of the last quarterbacks where I can get QB1 overall upside. If you're not getting Justin Herbert, who is the, your quarterback plan, Jared, in a perfect world? My next target would be Deshaun Watson. And then if I don't get Watson, I'm, I'm targeting Anthony Richardson. Love that one. Now, how about a sleeper? Give us a quarterback sleeper, Jared, that could really beat ADP. You take this any way you want. It could be a guy that's a QB2 that finishes as a QB1. It could be a guy that's a low-end QB1 that finishes as a top-five QB. I like Sam Howell. Um, who's looked awesome this preseason. He gets Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator. The weapons are obviously good. You know, fingers crossed for Terry McLaurin's injury. Um, and then Howell can run, right? He showed it in college. He showed it in his one start last year, and he showed it this preseason. So I, th- I think he could you know, finish as a top 15 fantasy quarterback. I love that one. I think that uh, the Washington uh, offense could also be super consolidated if you want to guys, you know, late, late stacks and get a little bit wacky, everyone with your Washington stacks. That could be a fun one. Um, I'll say for me, my sleeper, he's not a sleeper because he's a high end QB too, but I think that Daniel Jones is being severely underrated right now. He had over 700 yards rushing last year in year one. Brian Dable offense in year two is going to take a big next step. And they've added so many guys. It was kind of like a, hey, let's make fun of New York for all these slot wide receivers. But I look at it as they're going to be extremely efficient and have a lot of guys who can get first downs. And Daniel Jones is going to have a lot of red zone opportunities. I think there's a chance that you see him have an even more efficient running season and he goes over 800 yards rushing. I think he'll set career highs in, uh, in touchdown passes and total passing yards as well. And I think, again, the NFC East is a little more shootout uh, potential than we saw last year. So I'm on Jones as my quarterback sleeper. How about running back? Who is your target right now, Jared? We haven't talked about Rashad White yet, so I'll throw him out here. You know, sixth, seventh round. There's questions about his rushing. I get it. Like, it wasn't pretty last year. The O-line was bad in Tampa, but um, White's, you know, blocking independent metrics were not good last year. But I think he's an excellent pass catching back. I think what he showed in his final college season and then what he showed last year, like I think he's a guy that is going to catch 50 or 60 passes that you can get in around six or seven, which I think is, you know, is, is just money in the bank. Love Rashad white. I think that Rashad white uh, has been a guy that I've been drafting as well. 
I'll go a little bit earlier with a target of mine. We talked about how the third round has landmines. I've been drafting the hell out of Jameer Gibbs in the third round. I think Jameer Gibbs is like, if I'm going to attack the third round without taking a quarterback um, or a wide receiver, it's Gibbs for me. Um, I've pushed him up as high as like the 301, but when he's somewhere in that 308 to 310 range on FFPC, I am all about Gibbs. I think that Gibbs could break the record for most receptions as a rookie running back. I think he could have a not quite Alvin Kamara rookie season, but I think he's going to be somewhere between that Reggie Bush rookie year, CMC rookie year. I think it's going to go right up there in the historically good one. I'm all over him. And then give me a running back sleeper, Jared. Yes, yeah, so it would have been Jeff Wilson if we hadn't already talked about him, but I'll, I'll go much deeper here and give you Evan Hall of the Colts. I mean, super plus athlete and an excellent pass catcher. Like th- those are the two biggest boxes I'm looking to check out of my running backs and, and Hall checks them both. Um, so if Jonathan Taylor is traded or whatever, or he sits out the season, whatever happens, I think Hall is going to be a part of that backfield. I mean, there's nothing else there right now. I would expect them to add something else. You know, maybe that's a Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt landing spot if Taylor is traded away. But I think Hall could uh, could really make an impact this season, especially in the passing game. Everybody smash the like button. Uh, this is just awesome stuff from Jared. Um, I love your Evan Hole uh, call. I'll go the, the one sleeper for me. And I've been drafting uh, James Conner when he sits there in the eighth round. I think he's a smash value there. But I think that he, the market is not as high on Keontae Ingram. I think Keontae Ingram is a like-for-like replacement for Connor if Connor were to miss time. Um, And I think that Keontae, the market, the next two weeks is going to get a little bit more enthused with him. So it's very funny how some people are completely fading James Connor. They say he's injury-prone. They see he's getting older. That's true. So if he's going to miss time, you could take Keontae Ingram. And also, you're able to easily handcuff uh, James Connor. If you like handcuffing, I can draft one in the eighth round and one in like the 18th round. Um, without using a lot of draft capital, I have a running back spot locked down. Uh, how about tight end, Jared? Who is your big target at tight end? Tight end, it's Darren Waller at this point. Um, I, I, I still see him in the non-tight end premium drafts, you know, getting into to round four or five quite a bit. And I think, um, again, I think he's going to be right there with Hawkinson with, with a good chance to finish his tight end three this season. Love Darren Waller. Um, he steamed up so much. He's certainly a guy that I'm comfortable taking the third round of tight end premium. And then in in non-tight end premium, you know, I'm, I'm making him a priority as well. Where do you have him target-wise ballpark, Jared? Because I know you're continually updating your your, your uh, projections. Yeah, like I you have a you nor- right now. North of 115 on the targets? So we haven't projected for 15 games, but we haven't had, we have met 108 targets. So if you give him a full season, he'd be, you know, at like 120. I love it. I love it. I said 130 and a couple of, of uh, stat people didn't love it, but I'm, I'm into it. I think that there's a, if all I have to do is beat Jared's projections by like 8% and, yeah. and we're at, we're right there. We're right there, everyone. So uh, Darren Wallace. I'm still pretty conservative with his target share. Honestly, I have his target share lower than what it was in at his, you know, peak in uh, you know, with the Raiders. So there's definitely room for him to beat our projections. Two seasons ago, he had a 19 target game to start out the season. Um, if we get that in week one in FFPC pet and premium scoring, people are going to be losing their minds. Um, I'll say for me, Waller's a fantastic answer. Dalton Kincaid. I love Dalton Kincaid. I think we're shooting for ceiling at the tight end position. It is a replaceable position. Every single season we get guys come up on the waiver wire at the tight end spot. It happens literally every single year. There's a guy that we haven't talked about all summer. 
Um, well, we've probably talked about him, but a lot of people haven't talked about him. And that guy's going to end up finishing inside the top 12 tight ends. So a replaceable position where the scoring's flat, give me this elite weapon. The Bills are using him out of the slot. He flashed in the preseason. I think that they have a big plan for him. I think he could get to 90 targets as a rookie uh, if everything works out well. So I'm big time on Dalton Kincaid. How about a sleeper at the tight end position, Jared? I am so in on Luke Musgrave. Um, you know, he was a super exciting prospect, not necessarily if you look at the college stat sheet, because, you know, he missed a lot of time and, and didn't put up massive numbers, but you watch the film, look at the athleticism, he gets round two draft capital, and then everything we've heard since he arrived in Green Bay, and then everything we've seen in the preseason, Musgrave has run a route on nearly 90% of Jordan Love's dropbacks this preseason. That is like rarefied air for a tight end. If it, stays if he stays above an 80% route rate in the regular season it's going to be tough for him to not finish as a top 12 fantasy tight end just being yeah. out there that often so I, I I'm all in on, on Musgrave I've seen you get really behind him Dwayne McFarlane is as well there's a lot of sharp people on him I think it's a usage play he's a guy that at player profiler we've been super super high on um he's a very on-brand type player for us in as terms of a dynasty prospect because the athleticism is absolutely through the roof, um, and I think that he's like the the late steamer. I saw him go kind of closer to Laporta. Um, yep. He's past he's past Greg Dulcich, um, which has been a faller, which was crazy. If I if I told you six weeks ago <laughs> that Musgrave was going to leap, uh, you know Greg Dulcich, you would have said that's yeah. crazy. But this is where we're at. Luke Musgrave, if you want him, reach for him based on your league's ADP because somebody else in your league will. I'll say for me, there's a lot of interesting sleeper tight ends. I feel like the one that sometimes goes undrafted in non-tight end premium that is a very boring player but could see a very predictable weekly volume is Hayden Hurst. I think that this Carolina offense is going to struggle, but I think Hayden Hurst is going to be a security blanket for Bryce Young, and I think he could have uh, a career high in targets. Last year, we saw him have you know some moments with Cincinnati. I think this year, at the end of the day, this is a guy that the rookie is going to like playing with. Um, yeah. So it's incredibly boring. No one's going to say great pick, but I think Hayden Hurst could return some value. Now, give us your target wide receiver, Jared. Target wide receiver. I'm going to go Christian. There's a lot of guys I like. I'm going to go Christian Watson, though. Um, I just think what he – man, I'm, I guess I'm in on the Packers passing game here. I better hope Jordan Love delivers. Um, just what Christian Watson showed as a rookie. And even if you go back to his – prospect profile coming into the NFL. Like I, I called him a boomer bust prospect. Like I thought there was a chance that Watson was like out of the league in, in five years, but what he showed as a rookie makes me think he's you know going to hit the, the boom side of that. Um, and I just think there's so much room for him to claim a big target share, right? Cause he's competing with another second year wide receiver in Romeo Dobbs, a rookie wide receiver in Jaden Reed. Like I think there's a path for Christian Watson to, you know, get 25, 26% of the targets. And if he does that with his, you know, big playability, I think, you know, he, he could finish as a top 12 fantasy wide up. I'm completely with you on Christian Watson. That's a guy that Billy Muzio and I have been talking up for, for months now. Um, you know, again, I, I think that he's still, he's living in the fourth round. You don't have to reach and take him in the third. Um, I think the upside is incredible with him. You said Christian Watson, so I will add a guy you can get a little bit later right now, and that's Brandon Ayuk. I think Brandon Ayuk is going to have a very big season. I haven't been drafting Kittle lately. I think that my my San Francisco uh, preference 
has been Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. I think both those guys are going to score well, but I think Ayuk has the kind of ceiling that when we get to the money weeks and some of these tournament type plays, I think Brandon Ayuk could be extremely exciting. Uh, this is a guy that took a big step forward last year, went over a thousand yards. Uh, he's still a young player in the league and he's ascending. Um, there's nothing but positivity for him this offseason where we've seen him kind of b- uh, bump heads with Shanahan in the past. I think this is going to be like his big career season and I can get him, you know, somewhat at an affordable level. Um, yep. So wide receiver sleeper. This is a tough one. Last, but last year we got Zay Jones, who was mm-hmm. largely undrafted, finishes as like wide receiver 25. The year before, Jared, we had Hunter Renfro finish as like wide receiver 11. So we had, do see undrafted wide receivers sometimes really, really help us in fantasy, but it's harder and harder. Give us a lower drafted guy or an undrafted guy that you could see making an impact. Yeah, this guy's not undrafted, but he's still available in the d- double-digit rounds for the most part. Uh, Nico Collins, who you know is a big, athletic, young wide receiver who took a nice step forward in his second season last year in terms of you know both target share, yards per dot run, uh, PFF receiving grade, all that stuff rose from his rookie year. Um, I think he's the clear number one in Houston, and I think C.J. Stroud is going to be a pretty significant upgrade. Um, over what they had last year. So I think Nico could emerge as like, you know, someone we're putting in our lineups as a wide receiver three every week. Any hope for Tank Dell um, in that offense? Yeah, I I mean, he looked awesome in that first preseason game. I was skeptical of him um, in the pre-draft process just because of the size. But like, you know, the tape is there, the college production is there. If he can just, you know, clear that hurdle of, you know, just being a bit lighter than we like our wide receivers to be. Um, you know, again, I think Nico's going to be the, the number one receiver there, but there's definitely a path for Tank Dell to eventually emerge as the, the number two guy in the passing game. So for me, uh, you know, my sleeper is still Marvin Mims, and I think it's going to take a couple things for it to happen. And I, I wouldn't expect this to be a guy that I'm going to plug into my lineup over the first, you know, few weeks of the season. But a lot of times the wide receivers that have really helped us out in fantasy have been second half of the year plays. And I think Mims has that ability where if his role expands, if we're able to stash him, he could be the kind of guy that's in our wide receiver two or three, uh, you know, wide receiver two or three spot or flex down the stretch. Um, I truly believe in the talent. He's already running. um, He's already on the field on wide receiver uh, in three wide receiver sets, which is sort of like half the battle. And I don't think the question, the talent is uh, even to be questioned. I think he's a stud. And I'll go a little bit deeper. Um, I think if, you know, an end game type target right now in drafts, Michael Wilson for Arizona, a big physical third round wide receiver. I think he's going to be on the field and two wide receiver sets. I think this is a, a player that the team needs. He's different than any of the other wide receivers on the team. Like Hollywood Brown is not your traditional outside receiver. Rondell Moore is, is a slot guy Dorch is a slot guy I think towards the end of the year the Michael Wilson role is going to grow and I think he's the kind of guy that, that you're going to want to uh, keep as a stash especially in 20-man formats like the FFPC and NFFC Jared you've been so generous with your time as always I love talking to you today this was a real help to anybody listening in if you're watching the show right now on YouTube please smash the like button and Jared let everybody know where they can find you and what you have coming up yeah, uh, Twitter at SmolaDS, and then all my work is on DraftSharks. Big thing, DraftSharks, our rankings are updated literally like 
almost not literally, but almost 24 seven outside of when I'm sleeping for, you know, six hours a night. Um, those, those babies are updated. Um, our draft war rooms up and running. That's going to give you a customized cheat sheet, you know, tailored to your exact league scoring rules. So if you have a draft coming up, um, I would highly recommend checking that out. No, that's awesome. And how did you do in the deep end invitational last night? You drafted Jared. Yes, I did. I, I like my team. I got Josh Allen at 104. You know, it's super flex. Um, he, he's my, he's my 101 in super flex. And then I was able to get the Sean Watson in round three there, uh, which I liked as well. So I, I came away with a, a better team than I thought I was going to have because, you know, it's not, those are obviously tough rooms that they're uh, you know loaded with excellent fantasy players. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm drafting uh, in the deep end invitational this evening. I'm going to split a team with Andrew Schellenberg uh, from the GOAT district. We're going to stream that at some point um, on the on a GOAT district uh, right here on Player Profiler. But make sure you're tuning in every evening. Uh, Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst are doing a fantastic job with this Deep End Invitational. Um, really, really cool shows. Last night, a lot of people tuned in to watch. Uh, tonight, I'm in one with uh, Matt Kelly, the Podfather, Billy Muzio's in my draft, JJ Zachariasen's in my draft, uh, Dwayne McFarland's in my draft, Britt Flynn of Fantasy Alarm. Um, I can't, uh, Richard Rebar's in this one. It's loaded. It's going to be challenging. I love it. I love that we're not going, and I love that we're not doing like 30 rounds this year, Jared, like we did in the years <laughs> past, but uh, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Definitely check that out. And then for press coverage, check out my episode yesterday with Mike Leone. That was fantastic. Uh, that one, you know, we covered a lot of stuff that Jared and I did not cover. Um, definitely check that one out. And then tune in tomorrow, sometime during the day, we are going to drop the FFPC main event draft that I competed in last night where I uh, split a team with a Bab Agbatoba of first and 15 and Scott Barrett of fantasy points. The three of us drafted together. We really liked our build. It was a tilting draft. It'll be uh, really fun to watch. So look for that tomorrow uh, and everybody stick with, stick with us till right up until uh, opening kickoff. Cause we got you covered at player profiler.